welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. You can probably guess who I am. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me, as always, from up in Seattle, Tacoma, that area, it is my usual host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome back, sir. It's good to be back talking baseball. And, you know, the weather up here went from incredibly hot to pretty mellow. So we're almost back to normal. Just once it starts raining, then we'll know we're back to normal. All right, so let's jump right into it. We have got a lot to cover this week. We've got a very interesting topic. We're going to not talk about a player, though, this week. It's going to be a little bit different, but it's going to be a lot of fun, I promise you. But before we do that, as always, we want to uh, warm up, do a little work in the in the cage, uh, take some, uh, you know, shag some fly balls, get some infield work in there, and let's head right into BP. Last week in the minor leagues... Some team was foolish enough to have a $1 beer night. Now, have we not already learned our lesson from these things? Probably not. No, you're right. Apparently not. So last week, it was the New Jersey Jackals and the Sussex County Miners, two of our all-time favorite minor league teams i think this is i think they're they're of the the partner league i don't think these are actually affiliated teams because i'd never heard of either of them okay regardless dollar beer night and uh, it got a little out of control in the stands and uh, it eventually led to a brawl between the miners and the fans of the jackals in the stands oh man Players climbing into the stands a la like Ty Domi in the penalty box and somebody like dumping water on him and him climbing over the glass. I mean, it was it was not it was not pretty. It it, it actually what it kind of looked like to me watching the video was that it was like from an episode of Brockmire or something where where a team would be fighting the fans. But uh, I'll yes. put I'll put a link in the show notes so you can watch the brawl if you want. Uh, by the way, a couple of notes here: the miners are led by former Met, like Met from this year, Todd Frazier, who I guess is <laughs> he's tuning up. He's on the U.S. Olympic team, but I guess he's tuning up in the minor leagues to go. Play. Okay, it was a pitcher's duel. The final score: fifteen to fourteen. <laughs> the the miners <laughs> beat the Jackals. We had the dollar beer and a barn burner of a game yeah. that just spells uh, psychoticness. Yeah, let's just look. Why don't we just steer away from these cheap beers? I mean, you want people in the stands, but you got to have them sober. Um, yeah, well, let's get down from the $13 beers, though. Let's go, let's go for a happy medium. Can we find a happy medium somewhere? <laughs> or, you know, in Japan, it was great, and, and they do this. You can bring all of the beers you want that you can carry into the stadium. <laughs> And then as soon as you come in, there's a table there and you've got to open them and pour them in cups. So as long as you can carry those, you can bring your own beer in. I don't know if I had no idea. Yeah. I don't know if they like charge you a little bit extra to bring, you know, like a corkage fee at a a restaurant, but you can bring, you can bring your own beer. And I I saw that and I was like, what are they doing? And there's fans bring in like arms full of beer and then they, they open the cans, pour them in the, in the cups and then they're off. I don't know if that carry so many cups. Yeah. Well, you again, you've got to be able to carry everything to your seat. Man. So, you know, it's not like you can bring in a, a half rack by yourself. You're probably only going to be able to bring two or three in. But 
All right, so I think it was last week, maybe the week before, we were talking about Joe DiMaggio and his and his hit streak and the the crowd size in Cleveland when he actually extended the streak to 56 games of only being 15,000 fans, and we were marveling at, like, he's coming into the game with 55 games straight getting a hit. How are only 15,000 fans there? We even looked it up to make sure that it was correct. And it yeah. was. And then the next day, when the streak came to an end, it was over 67,000. And we just, we couldn't believe what was happening there. Well, I figured out why. And oh. I, I don't know why we didn't see this before. That first game, when he extended it to 56, that game was held at League Field. Which, if you oh. remember, we've talked about League Field many times when we've talked about the Cleveland Forest City team and the Clevelanders and the, the, the Spiders and all the other iterations of Cleveland baseball. League Field is a very old and small stadium. Well, the next day when the hit streak was broken, they played at Cleveland Municipal Stadium, which, of course, could house, you know, the, the population of Manhattan, it seems, that vast empty open space that's how they got 67,000 and obviously everybody wanted to come see it I'm I'm really wondering though why did they play that first game at league field like did they have a schedule and they're like you're playing these number of games in in Muni and these number at league field because I would think you would want to move any game against the Yankees when Joe DiMaggio's got this hit streak to Cleveland Municipal because you get 67,000 every game so I don't know. Right. Does it make sense? That's weird. It could have been a contractual thing or something. Yeah, that's my thought. Is there like, or, or maybe there was a, a circus at Municipal Stadium <laughs> the day before. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we talked last week in uh, Wax Packs Heroes. We got a Raul Mondesi card. Remember that? We talked about, we found out that his, uh, that he had, after he retired, he became the mayor of, of uh, a city. And uh, was eventually put in jail for corruption, for taking some money under the table. It struck me, because then we talked about his son, Adalberto, who used to go by Raul Mondesi Jr. I, this just clicked after we stopped recording. I'm guessing Raul Mondesi Jr. changed his name because of what happened to his father. Yeah, you may be right. So I don't know how he came up with Adalberto, if maybe that's his middle name. I don't know. Uh, we had Joey Cora sighting. You and I were joking, I think, about Joey Cora last week or the week before. And I know you and I were both watching the same game earlier today, the Mets and the Pirates. Well, Joey Cora is the third base coach for the Pirates. That's, yes. That's why I had no idea where he was. He was in Pittsburgh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure we have listeners uh, that are Pirates fans. No offense. Yeah, no offense. <laughs> but I mean, you're I'm an A's fan. I know there's not many of us, but that's why I did not know where he was. He was in Pittsburgh. Right. Some historic stuff happened last week uh, coming out of the All-Star break. Friday night, the Padres absolutely demolished the Nats. They scored 24 runs. Now, in that game, the dads had a player hit for the cycle. That was Jake Cronworth. They had a player with seven RBI, Will Myers, and they had a player score five runs in Tommy Pham. 
Since wow. RBIs became an official stat in 1920, no other team had accomplished all of these feats in the same season, let alone in the same game. That's crazy. That is You gotta love baseball, man. Yeah, <laughs> anytime you go, you might see something you've never seen before. That's yep. clearly the case here because nobody had ever seen that before. Just a crazy, crazy series all around. Adrian Gonzalez, we talked about him. He's playing down in the Mexican League this year. He announced last week he is going to officially hang it up at the end of the current Mexican League season. So Adrian Gonzalez is going to call it a career. I remember, man, when he was with the Padres and then when he immediately went over to the to the Red Sox, I was scared of him. He was just a scary hitter. Yeah, no, he was a ball player. Yeah. Uh, it's time for the Lars Newtbar update. I, Let's I, do it. I do want to give a shout out to uh, one of our listeners, Chris, who is a St. Louis Cardinals fan, who is actually uh, DMing me Lars uh, Newtbar updates as they happen. As, uh, as he's watching the Cardinals games. That's so awesome. So Lars, uh, this is basically a repeat of last week. Uh, in the, Since last show, he's only appeared in one game, one plate appearance, and he walked. So at least his on-base percentage improved. Well, that's good. If he's only getting in one game a week as a pinch hitter, like what, what do you hope to do with him? He's not going to get any better. If you want him to play, send him down or, or play him. I, yeah, no kidding. I mean, he's only 23. He's got a future. And his name's Lars Newtbar. Yeah, exactly. All right, this show is going to debut on July 20th. I uh, got a couple of debuts going today. The first one, back in 1955, Jim Bunning made his very first appearance in the major leagues. Now, Jim Bunning threw a no-hitter in 1958 for the Tigers against the Boston Red Sox. And then in 1964, on Father's Day, he threw a perfect game for the Phillies against the Mets. Bunning was only the second player to ever throw a no-hitter in each league, the very first being none other than Cy Young. Wow. Since then, three other pitchers have joined that club. Do you have any idea who they would be? Well, can I have a few minutes to look it up? Just kidding. <laughs> we'll just, I'll, I'll edit that out. I, I think you can get one of them for sure. Okay. Nolan Ryan? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Number one. Uh, also is another guy that you have seen play in person quite a bit. He's a rather tall individual that uh, played oh, for Randy the Johnson. Mariners at one point. Correct. And the final guy is somebody we talked about, I think, last week, where we mentioned that his uh, his pitching wind-up motion made our backs hurt just watching uh, Nomo. there you go see i'm so good at trivia when you pretty much give me the answers now this is uh this i took this straight off of the article i was reading is max scherzer has he thrown a no-hitter in both leagues or has he thrown a no-hitter at all i don't even know if max scherzer's thrown a no-hitter at all but i have no idea i'm gonna throw that in there he might have i don't i don't think he did with the tigers so I'm going to say that's probably not. I'm sure somebody will let us know. Jim Bunning is also the only former Major League Baseball player to be elected to both the House and the U.S. Senate. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I remember him being in the Senate. I remember thinking, that can't be the same Jim Bunning, right? No, it was. Yeah, well, when I first started watching baseball, 
his name would come up. He wasn't playing anymore, but yeah, they would they would continually mention that he thrown a perfect game and that he was a major league player. That's how I always remembered him. We won't talk about his politics though, but yeah, or who <laughs> succeeded him even even more so. Uh, let's get on to the next one. 1969 on this day, Vida Blue makes his first major league appearance. Vida went on to become the first pitcher to start an all-star game for both leagues. He has since been joined by four other pitchers. <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask you next. Can you name those four other pitchers? Um, and one of them is not Nolan Ryan. Well, oh, you know, it wouldn't. Yeah, I got you. Roger Clemens. There's one. Very nice. It made sense. Um, Another uh, uh, Randy Johnson. There you go. I was going to say that tall individual again. Very nice. Uh, Max Scherzer. Yeah, there you go. And, yeah. And then Doc. Not Doc Gooden, but Doc Holliday. Roy uh, Holliday okay. was the other one. Vita Blue, also the last switch hitter to win the MVP in the American League in 1971. We've talked about that. Nice. Yes. It's a tough question. I remember you asking that, and, and I was nowhere close. I don't know if anyone was. Well, that's because I phrased it wrong when I asked it. Oh, <laughs> I just okay. said the last switch hitter to win MVP. And, of course, there have been several in the National League in the last decade even. But in the American League, it was a pitcher. And, uh, as I mentioned, also won the Cy Young Award that year. 24-8 and eight with a 1.82 ERA. 24 complete games, eight shutouts, led the league in whip. For a starter, his whip was .952. Under one, that is incredible. Led the league yeah. in fewest hits per nine, struck out 8.7 per nine, and had a FIP of 2.20. That's just ridiculous. Believe it or not, he was an all-star that year, too. No. Yeah, I know that one's hard to believe. <laughs> Got along really well with Charlie Finley. I, I say that tongue firmly planted in cheek. Here is a quote uh, from Vita Blue about Charlie Finley. I hope the next breath Charlie Finley takes is his last. I hope he falls <laughs> flat on his face and dies of polio. <laughs> wow. So he no love lost. What you're saying. Does not mince words. Uh, I got one more debut, uh, a recent one. 2011 today, Jose Altuve made his very first appearance in the big leagues. His first career home run was an inside-the-park job. That makes sense. Now, I'm not going to just pile on the Altuve hate here, but I am pretty upset that the Astros all opted out of the All-Star game. I think that is a really easy way to get out of some punishment that they deserve. The NHL, if you're elected to the All-Star game and you don't go, you have to serve a one-game suspension in the regular okay. season. I think this is what should be happening here to, to major leaguers. And in none of this, oh, well, my wrist hurts. I want a little bit of extra. I won't just want those days off. No. If you're elected, you should at least at least show up and be in uniform. These yeah. guys all got to skate and didn't even have to go there and get booed. They didn't have to answer questions from their fellow players. They all just went to the beach and, uh, and then came back to, to play their games. I think that's lame. Every one of them didn't yeah, go. They're just, yeah. Instead of, you know, facing it, 
taking the heat. That's it. That is pretty weak. Even though I'm an Astros fan, that's kind of weak. I mean, that's part of that should be part of their of their penalty is having to answer those questions and having to get booed and, and so forth. They were really lucky last year. They were lucky for the global pandemic because they didn't get booed and, and have all those people so true. yelling at them. That was exactly. It was funny because I remember watching their games and people consistently commenting on, you know, <laughs> they, they don't have to take uh, all the screaming and yelling from the fans. They get a whole year of not having that. Yeah. I mean, even in those few spring training games last year where there were people before everybody was, you know, shut down, they were taking a beating. So they really, really got lucky. Yeah, they they did. All right, let's uh, let's get into our trivia answer and uh, question for next week. So last week I asked Trey Turner had just uh, come off of his uh, third career cycle, and he was the fourth player to do that. And I asked who was the most recent, and I figured we would get some answers on this one, and and we did. Both Chris Cook and Andrew Harmer both came in with the correct answer. It was Adrian Beltre. Oh, that makes sense. He did it with two different teams. He did it twice with the Rangers in 2015 and 2012, and then once with the Mariners in 2008. But, uh, I remember nice. it just doesn't seem like those triples would come very easily to Adrian Beltre. Yeah, so true. <laughs> uh, I do want to mention one thing. Andrew Harmer, one of our, our dedicated listeners that uh, always gives us an answer. Uh, he wanted to correct me on something. I'm not going to go to court on this one, but he wanted to correct me on something on the multiple all-star games, which was uh, something we talked about the week before. And I had said that they were uh, they were played back-to-back when they had them in the same season. Well, actually, it, there was usually a week between them. One time there was just a day between them, uh, not the back-to-back like I had mentioned. How does he know that? Well, he wrote an article on it. So he did a lot of research on this uh, previously. I'm going to put a link into the show notes so you can go if you want to read some more, get some more information. I wish I would have known about this article, you know, when I was crafting the question, but uh, (laughs) we'll put that in the show notes. And I also wanted to talk about, uh, I think I phrased a question wrong a couple of weeks ago when I asked who was the... I think I might have said the last Yankee to wear number three. And then I said, who was the player to wear number three after Babe Ruth? Well, in phrasing it that way, uh, there's two different answers. So George Selkirk is the is the guy that wore number three the year after Babe Ruth left the Yankees. But believe it or not, there were six players on the Yankees that wore number three after Babe Ruth before they retired his number. Weird. I, yeah, I think I, I screwed up a little bit there. I'll, I'll, I'll find myself privately off, off, uh, off the podcast uh, for not phrasing that correctly. But there were, there were a lot of guys that wore that number, including three guys in 1946. Three different players uh, wore number three that year before they decided <laughs> maybe we should retire that. Funny. All right. So uh, I got a question for you for next week. It has to do with Ty Cobb, and it has to do with something I mentioned earlier when I mentioned that Jose Altuve's first career home run was an Inside the Parker. We've talked a lot about Inside the Park home runs on this podcast before, but Ty Cobb did it 46 times during his career. 46 times he had an Inside the Park home run. Not really surprising. Guy was fast. There were some big, big outfields uh, at that point. 
When he retired though, he did not hold, nor did he ever hold the uh, major league record for inside the park home runs. Who holds that distinction? Holds the mark. That's a really good question. I'm imagining it's not 45, just under Ty Cobb's 46. No, yeah, you are correct. The 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 total is greater than 46. We'll let you think about that. If you want to go ahead and uh, give us an answer, you can find us on social media. Uh, we'll give you all that information as well as some other ways to get a hold of us after we wrap up the show. All right, Mark, you ready to head in? I feel like we got a lot of good work in today. Took some infield. I'm ready to go. Are you ready to jump into our main uh, main topic? Yes, I'm very intrigued. All right. So uh, this week, we are not going to talk about a player. We're not going to talk about a stadium. We're not going to talk about a team. We're not going to talk about an owner. I don't think we've ever talked about just straight up an umpire before, but we're going to do it. We're going to talk about Ron Luciano. Now, if you've come here, though, to hear about the DJ Ron Luciano, who was recently indicted on murder charges uh, stemming from a nightclub shooting. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but we're, we're not. We're, oh, we're not here. that guy. Yeah. Uh, we are here to talk about former Major League Baseball umpire Ron Luciano. Now, this started out as being I wanted to talk about well-known umpires, and I made a list of about seven or eight that I wanted to talk about. But. As I was researching them, the Luciano part here just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I said, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk about him. I'll talk about the other guys in another another episode. This has been slimmed down quite a bit, but uh, as I gotcha. said, we're here to talk about former Major League umpire Ron Luciano, who was best known for his flamboyant calls, particularly his habit of what he called shooting out players. He said, quote, my personal record is 16 shots. I started screaming my calls, leaping in the air, basically making an attraction out of myself. The fans loved it, but naturally the league officials hated it. Here is his description of uh, shooting out a player in particular. I used to shoot people out. What I did is I, I'd make my hand in the form of a gun. Bang, bang, you're out. I'd shoot him. What it was, it made a mundane out an exciting thing top of the first inning, as the team's coming out in the field to take the defensive positions in Kansas City, Freddie Pratek runs by first base where I was working and he said, Ronnie, I'm 0 for 28. Please don't shoot me out. And he went to shortstop. Well, I thought that was kind of funny. And I, John Mayberry was the first baseman at the time. And I said, John, Freddie said, don't you shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. He couldn't wait to get back to the dugout. And they started from the first inning. Shoot him, Ronnie, shoot him, shoot him, Ronnie. The whole dugout. Baseball players are mean. They are really mean. Freddie, every time he's running to his position, he's screaming, don't embarrass me. He gets up the first time. I think he struck out because he's afraid I was going to shoot him out at first. He cuts up the second time. He's still a little leery of me, but he flies out to center field. He comes up the third time, and there is a one hopper back to the mound. And before he leaves the box, don't shoot, don't shoot. Man of my word, I told Fred I wouldn't shoot him, I didn't. Instead, I pulled a hand grenade out of my <laughs> out of my belt 
and pulled the pin and threw it over to first and pretended that first base exploded with before Freddie got there. Rod Carew was the first baseman at the time. He jumped back on his haunches and fell down like the explosion. Steve Burroughs was the first base manager and he did the same thing. So it literally looked like first base exploded. Now I did not add that sound effect. That was in the, that was in the <laughs> uh, But flying buoyant or not, he was very well respected by players. In 1974, the Major League Baseball Players Association put out a poll, and Luciano was one of only two American League umpires that were rated excellent, which was the, you know, you don't get better than excellent. Uh, he refused to call box. He was like the anti Bach and Bob Davidson. Uh, he insisted that the official definition was too vague to permit consistent enforcement. He said, quote, I never called a balk in my life. I didn't understand the rule. <laughs> so it just was not part of his game. As mentioned, he liked to have fun out there on the field. During a spring training game in 1973, he's hanging out at third base with Buddy Bell. And uh, he had a bright idea. And they switched hats. Buddy Bell gave Ron his glove, and they switched positions. And Ron Luciano played a portion of the inning at third base while Bell umpired. Now, you would never see that today, although I would love to. That would be great. Ron loved to umpire games with Nolan Ryan on the mound. He loved to hear rookies the first time that they faced the Express, but he also had a unique way to call games when Nolan was on the mound. Every time I used to umpire for Nolan, I'd get my protector ready, put the mask on, get behind the catcher, get all set, lock myself in. The pitch would come in and I'd say, ball sounds low. And the catcher would say, sounds? I said, as fast as that's going, I got to go by sound. I don't see that thing. He tells it. He tells another great story about Nolan Ryan that he went and got his eyes checked after a, a game that he umpired with Nolan Ryan one time because he thought he saw the ball exploding when it got to the catcher. He thought the ball was actually exploding because he it was coming in there so fast his eye couldn't pick it up. And so the, there's a long explanation as to why it happened. But Nolan Ryan actually made an umpire question his eyesight, which is pretty funny. Luciano loved to talk. Believe it or not, he talked to players between innings, during play, and especially when he was working behind the plate. Now, this is a great story that he told in, I think he's got five books that he published during his uh, his writing career. He said, quote, I remember Yaz coming to bat in a game situation in Boston in 76. And before I could say a word, he looked right at me and he said, listen, Ronnie, my kid's hitting 300. My wife is fine. I haven't heard any new jokes. I don't want to hear about the Polish restaurants that you eat at. I'm nothing for 15, and I just want you to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> He's, he was speechless. He, he was actually speechless at that point. So on the second pitch of the at-bat, Yaz hits a home run. As he crosses home plate, he looked right at Luciano, and he said, okay, you can, you can talk to me now. <laughs> This this story cracks me up. This is incredible. So Ron admitted, first of all, he admits all, right off the bat, he is a drinker. <laughs> he loves to drink. He and Billy Martin actually uh, really were at each other's throats when they when they first came face to face uh, on a baseball diamond. But after a while, they became friends. 
over alcohol. That's over drinks is where they became friends and they were lifelong friends after that. But Ron admitted that on bad days following good nights, meaning when he was hungover and having a hard time calling a game behind the home plate, he would sometimes allow some catchers that he trusted. And he named Elrod Hendricks, Ed Herman, and Johnny Roseboro. He'd have them umpire for him. And this is what he would do. He, he would tell the you know, tell him beforehand, hey, I need some help. If the catcher held the ball, he said I'd call it a strike. But if they threw it right back, it was a ball. If the game was ever close in the later innings, I'd take back control. But no one ever worked this to their advantage or called for a strike when it was clearly a ball. And no hitter ever figured out what, what he was doing. He did say once when Herman was behind the plate, Ed Herman, and he was calling the pitches, Herman's own pitcher complained about a call. <laughs> so <laughs> that was pretty funny. He didn't he didn't sell him anything. He was tempted, though, to say, hey, your catcher called that. But yeah, just let the catchers call the game on the honor system. Yeah, that sounds like something I would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of talk about sticky stuff in pitchers these days, but back when Luciana was umping, it was slippery stuff that was the talk of the league. Tommy John, it seems, was having a hard time getting a feel for throwing a ball that was half covered in something slippery during one game when Ron was behind the plate, and this happened. When Tommy John first started out, he was just learning how to throw the spitball. And the ball kept slipping out of his hand because he overloaded the ball with grease. I remember one time when we're in the seventh inning and it's two to one, it's a super game, he's winning by one run. And the first man up that inning, the first pitch to him, Tommy loads up a beautiful spitball and you know what happens? It falls out of his hand and lands on the mound. Well, he's halfway through his windup, so he doesn't want to stop his windup because he might pull a muscle or something. So he pantomimes the pitch. Well, I couldn't resist. As he followed through, I jumped in the air and yelled, strike one. Well, the batter looked at me like I was crazy. And the catcher was beautiful because he pretended to throw the ball back to Tommy John as well. Well, it took me five minutes to restore order. The dugout screaming and yelling, yeah, it's right, it's right, you are blind. Finally, I told everybody, I said, look, it's nothing. It's no pitch, nothing, just nothing, just relax. Start all over, no count. I look out and Tommy John is on his hands and knees, cannot stop laughing. Finally, he gets up, he walks that man, he walks the next guy. Next guy hits a single, one run scores. He walks the next man, next man hits a double, two run score. He walks two more men, manager walks out, takes him out of the game. And as Tommy John is walking off the field, he looks over at me, <laughs> funniest thing I've ever seen, Ronnie, you're right, you know that? That's my kind of pitcher. The heck with a ball game, go for the laugh. <laughs> like Go for that. the laugh. <laughs> I think, you know, we made Mo Drabowski the patron saint of this uh, of this podcast. Yes. I think we've got our official patron umpire. It's Ron Luciano. Ah, very nice. <laughs> uh, so Earl Weaver, you know, Earl had a feud with a lot of people. He, he, had a, he had a list that was pretty long. Luciano, not surprisingly, one of those guys. Uh, Luciano ran Weaver early in a game, uh, in game one of a doubleheader in 1975, and then ran him again during the lineup meeting prior to the start of game two. Uh, 
Weaver then got ejected the next day, giving the manager the unofficial record for most ejections over this shortest amount of time. Well, this wasn't the first time that these two had tangled. Luciano actually threw Weaver out of four consecutive games while they were both in the minors years before. Overall, Ron ran Weaver eight total times in the big leagues. But Luciano still respected the job Weaver did, though it wasn't always reciprocated. In 1980, Luciano was asked to list the five toughest managers he ever had to deal with. Weaver took spots one through four, which does not surprise anybody. Uh, This is a good quote from from Luciano about throwing people out of a game. He said, quote, throwing people out of a game is like learning to ride a bicycle. Once you get the hang of it, it can be a lot of fun. After Luciano retired, he auditioned for the role of coach on the TV show Cheers in 1982, which that would have been really interesting. Producers, though, wanted an experienced actor. Uh, Ron was, though, a hit with advertisers. He pitched things from A&W Root Beer to Toyota, as well as uh, many other products. I remember some of those. I just didn't know who he was. He always played an umpire and was getting yelled at or yelling at somebody, but did, did plenty of advertising work. He also did some work on the NBC Game of the Week for a short amount of time. Uh, This was a real fun story to research. Uh, Luciano was a fun and gregarious character, but his story unfortunately ended on a sad note that is really good time to remind everybody to look after their own mental well-being. Luciano took his own life at age 57 in his home via carbon monoxide poisoning in his garage. So as as happy and as outgoing as he was, he still had his own issues. Uh, Ron Luciano... There he is, uh, one of our, our, I guess he is our top umpire. And I, I was talking to you, Mark, before we started this. He's got five books out that are very well, you know, everybody says they're great. And I, I managed to get a hold of the uh, Umpire Strikes Back, which is a book that many of our listeners might have heard of. And uh, I got it on, on YouTube, I found it. Of all places, none of these books are on ebooks. You cannot just buy them from uh, from Google Play or from uh, Amazon. So I got to hunt these down because I think it will probably provide a lot of ammunition for future shows. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the main portion of our show. It is now time to go into uh, what some have described as the pinnacle of uh, baseball card opening. It is time for everybody's favorite segment. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. Wax Pack Hero! Gotta pull the Wax Pack Hero! All right, Mark, this is going to be our final exhibition game. This is it. This is like we're going to play the. The freeway series in LA, where the Dodgers and the Angels play right before the season opens. We're gonna. This is the Bay Bridge series where the A's and the Giants play, uh, just as a final tune-up before opening day. Next week, we're gonna go live with season three. We're gonna do things a little bit different today. When I order all these baseball cards, I get a lot of just singles sent to me by whoever I buy them from uh, that are just random single cards from random years of random players. So I've got 11 of these a piece that we're gonna go through. All the regular rules will apply, but they're not all from the same year. So if you are new to uh, to the show, here are the rules. First of all, 
we're going to go ahead and we're going to look up the baseball reference war for the year of the card and uh, we will get that we'll add that uh, player's value to that a couple of extra rules though if you've got anything going on around your eyes that means uh, glasses of any sort we prefer flip downs but of any sort eye black scuba gear anything like that we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point of war if you're wearing real stirrups that we can see the sanitary underneath it, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war, but we are going to minus an extra tenth of a point if you are wearing the dreaded two-in-ones. If you're wearing sweatbands that have your caricature, your jersey number, or a corporate logo for any reason, we're going to go ahead and give you an extra tenth of a point of war. We're going to stick with the awards. I think that's a really good uh, new rule. If you win the Rookie of the Year, the Cy Young, the MVP, if you're an all-star or even won a gold glove that year, we're going to give you a half of a point of war. Really try and jack these scores up. Likewise, if you are in the Hall of Fame now, you are going to get a whole point of war. And uh, Mark, you and I are each going to pick a team. And if uh, the team that you pick... Uh, you pull a pl uh, player from that team, you're going to get a half a point of war. But if you pull a player from the team the other host has picked, you're going to get a minus half a point of war. And you cannot pick the same team twice. So, Mark, who are you going to pick this week? Well, let's talk about Earl Weaver. I'm going to go with Baltimore. All right. So Mark's going with the O's. I am thinking about I, I didn't have an answer, but... Um, Let's see. I'm going to go. Well, we talked about them earlier and I hadn't been paying attention to them. So I'm going to pick the Bucks. There you pick, go. Pick the old Pirates. All right. So uh, as I said, these are loose cards. I have shuffled them and put them in two packs of 11 each. I've got one of those in my right hand and one in my left hand. Mark, which one would you like to choose? We're going right this week. Going right. All right. I'm going to have you go first. And uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do this. Like I said, these are all different years. So this is going to be very interesting and probably be a lot more work. But <laughs> here we go anyway. All right. We are starting off with an Astro, a relatively uh, newer card. This is a 2002 upper deck and it's Moises Alou. Don't shake hands with me. We've discussed the way that Moises uh, used to toughen up his hands. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't touch me. All right. Let's no see. No high fives. No, no. So in uh, 2002... Actually, he uh, was back, or not back, 2002, his first year with the Cubs, ended up slashing 275, 337, 419 for an OPS plus of 100 exactly. Uh, he did not win any awards that year, but he did end up with a war of 0.3. Now, he does have uh, some glasses on, which is good news. That's the only thing here I can see that's going to get you anything extra. So you'll start off at least in the positive with a 0.4. Better than a negative 12. Yeah, it's better than a, than a kick in the old pants, too. Yes, that too. Uh, let's see, obviously came from a baseball family. Uh, his father and two of his uncles played in the big leagues, all at one point in the same, on the same team. <laughs> so apparently Moises, uh, speaking of umpires, uh, the Cubs, the reason they let him go, one of the reasons they cited was numerous fights with umpires who Moises claimed had a vendetta against him. Yeah, uh, who wouldn't, right? Yeah. All right. I mean, whatever. So next, you have got a Hall of Famer. Here you go. Nice. With the Twins. That's all I'm going to tell you. A Hall of Famer with the Twins. Kirby Puckett. There you go. Ding, ding. All right. So uh, this is, wow, you got another Upper Deck card. This is uh, a good one. This is a 1991 Upper Deck. 
1991, uh, Kirby Puckett was an all-star and won a gold glove. So you're going to get a full point of war just off of that alone. Good year. Typical Kirby Puckett year. 15 home runs, 89 RBI, 319 batting average, and a 119 OPS+. Plus. That equates to a war of 4.3. He is nice. a Hall of Famer and, as I mentioned, a gold glove and an all-star. So that's an additional two points of war. So that'll be a 6.3 addition for you very nice and that'll take you very up nice kirby to 6.7 i believe we've talked quite a bit about kirby puckett he got a lot of hits of course his career was shortened because of an eye injury and uh, of course unfortunately passed away at a relatively early age we won't get into anything else uh, that happened to kirby that uh, you might have seen in the news um all right well this is going to get you some points uh he is not a hall of famer although some people not a whole lot claim that he should be but uh here he is number 25 for the san francisco giants it is barry bonds well you know what can you say about barry bonds he hit more home runs than anyone uh whether they were all you know on the level is another question (laughs) yeah so this is a 1995 card So let's look at his numbers. In 1995, he was an all-star, came in 12th in the MVP voting. So you will get half a point of war for that all-star appearance. Led the league in walks. That's no shock. He did that more times than he didn't in his career. Hit 294, had 33 home runs, 104 RBI, a 170 OPS plus, 22 intentional walks to lead the league, which once again, he did more than he did not during his career. 7.5 war for this season he was an all-star so that bumps it up to eight now he does have a sweatband with his caricature on it as well so nice that's, that's good news for you that'll bring that up to an, a uh, value of 8.1 wow there we go there we go yeah so you're up to 14.8 already wow this is <laughs> this is uh quite a this is like a rogues gallery at this point you got Puckett, who had some off-the-field problems. You had Alou, who claimed there was a conspiracy against him. You have Barry Bonds, who was Barry Bonds. And now you get a very young pitcher for the Orioles, Kurt Schilling. Yes, Schilling, your favorite player. Yeah, one of my all-time favorites. Love his, love his work off the field. But uh, let's see, in 1990, uh, he was in his, really his first full year in the big leagues. This with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, went 1-2. and two. He appeared in 35 games. Didn't have any starts, but a 2.54 ERA. And that equates to a war of 1.2. And that is all you're going to get out of that card. It's just a headshot of him smirking at the camera with stormy storm clouds in the background. Maybe a harbinger of things to come for for Kurt (laughs) Schilling. Uh, That'll bring your total up to 16 even. And I think, you know, bloody sock and all. I think we're just going to skip uh, talking about uh, <laughs> Kurt Schilling off the field. All right. Well, this Schilling is... did uh, play 20 years in the big leagues, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, he was he was great on the field. Let's, let's not take away what he did, but... We'll just we'll skip the rest of this stuff. Now this is this is a good palate cleanser though here because you got another Hall of Famer, another '91 upper deck, and this guy I don't believe ever had a whiff of controversy. Always smiling. He even hosted this week in baseball for a while after Mel Allen was uh, after Mel Allen handed over the reins. It's the Wizard of Oz, Ozzy Smith. I love Ozzy Smith. 
I've never seen anybody who can do the things that he did at shortstop. Just completely amazing. In 19 years, he did this. Yes, he did. And he did it very well in 1991. He was age 36 and he still won a gold glove. Not a surprise. And was also an all-star. Won 13 gold gloves, was an all-star 15 times, was on that 1982 World Series team with the Cardinals. Of course, he came up with the Padres, and uh, I think he was involved in that Gary Templeton trade with the Cardinals. And uh, Ozzy, all the way up to his final year in 96, when he was 41 years old, was still an all-star. He was an all-star three out of his last four years. Actually, he was an all-star 15 out of his last 16 years in the big leagues. Wow. Very impressive. 5.1 war. Nothing on this card is going to get you anything since we're not doing facial hair, but he was an all-star and he is a Hall of Famer. So that'll bring you up to a 6.6 on that card. And that will bring you up to 22.6. The uh, 13 gold gloves he won were consecutive. Pretty impressive. Yeah. That's consistency, folks. Also, of course, a uh, big proponent of doing uh, flips when running out to his position. The old backflips. They, they limited him later on. We used to do it every game at home. I can imagine why. I wouldn't want him to be hurt yeah. either. <laughs> exactly. Uh, here, this is something interesting. During a road trip to Houston, Smith met a part-time usherette at the Astrodome named Denise while walking to the team bus outside the stadium and eventually married her. It's hanging out by the team bus. You never know who you're going to meet back there. I'll just leave it at that. Yes. Well, this is interesting. So you are going to get, uh, we've never had this happen before. You have your second Moises Alou card in this pack. (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) Yes, it wasn't in a a regular pack, so I get it. Yes, so this is a a 1993 Fleer. I think think you had a 90, what was the the first one you had? It was a uh, 2002. So yeah, you've got a little bit of a, of a, of a spread here. Let's see, in 1993, Alou was, uh, had no awards. He was with the Expos at this point still. Hit 286. He had 18 home runs, 85 RBIs, and that equates to a war of 2.5. Uh, now, he does have eye black, which is good for you, but he also has two and one stirrups. So that's going to wipe that out, and you'll just stick with the 2.5. Well, I'll take the 2.5, but man, I hate those two-in-one stirrups. Yeah, that brings you up to 25.1. Now, here is an, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. You have got a National League Active Career RBI Leader card that's got three guys on it. <laughs> oh, well, how are we going to do this? Well, now, normally, in the past, we've actually added all three guys. I think we're just going to stick with the uh, with the number one guy here. And that's the guy in the middle. He's a Hall of Famer, so that works out for you. It is Tony Perez. Ah, So are all the people on the card reds then? No, and neither is Tony Perez at this point. (laughs) Tony Perez is a Philly in this this picture. Let's see. uh, You hit the nail on the head, though. Perez spent 23 years in the big leagues, 16 of which were with Cincinnati. He was with the Phillies for one year, but he got this card. At that point, uh, the other two gentlemen on this were Rusty Staub, one of our favorites, and Al Oliver. Tony Perez, let's see, what year is this card? This is a 1984 Tops. In 84, uh, was his first year in Cincinnati. 
He hit 241, no awards to speak of, uh, appeared in 71 games, and equated to a war of minus 0.6. That's going to hurt you. It was uh, his first year back in Cincinnati, actually. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. What did it... What, he played for Cincinnati prior? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me on that. Yeah, he finished out his career with three years in Cincinnati, kind of as a, a, a elongated going away uh, kind of stint. But uh, he is a Hall of Famer, though, so you are only going to take it on the chin for a minus point one. That'll bring you back down to 25 even. Next, you have got, ooh, this is a thick card, very thick card. Uh, it is the Bulldog of the Dodger variety. The Bulldog. Drawn a blank. Oral Hershiser. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, let's see. This is a card from 1994. And Hershiser in 94, it was his final year with his with the Dodgers, his initial stint with the Dodgers. He, too, came back for a final season at age 41 with Los Angeles. But in 94, he went 6-6 six and six in 21 games, 3.79 ERA. Uh, it does not look like there were any awards for Oral that year. Uh, no, he won the Silver Slugger the year before, but no, nothing else. Uh, in 1994, that equates to a war of 1.8. And let's see, are those real stirrups? I really cannot tell. We'll just go ahead and, and pass on that one. Give you a 1.8. And uh, that equates a 26.8 total. And uh, we've talked about him enough. I don't think we need to go into the extras on that. And that leads us to, this might be the most current player we have ever pulled on Wax Packs Heroes. It's nice. none, none other than Ichiro. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guarantee you we have never pulled an Ichiro before. So this is, I didn't, have you ever heard this nickname Wizard for Ichiro? No. I have not either. Never have. Uh, let's see. This is a 2010 card. Still with the Mariners. He was an all-star this year. Also won the gold glove. So there is a whole extra point of war. It would be a, another point of war if he was eligible for the Hall of Fame. I'm sure he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Shockingly enough, led the league in hits this year. It was actually the last year that he led the league in hits. The first 10 years of Ichiro's major league career, he led the league in hits in seven times. And was an all-star every year for the first 10 years. And then didn't, never won a gold glove or an all-star after that. But, <laughs> of course, he was uh, MVP and Rookie of the Year the very first year in 2001. But this is 2010. And he had a war of 3.7. Uh, nothing else on this card is going to get you anything. But that's still still kind of fun to pull pull somebody that we've never pulled before. Ichiro. That will bring your total up to 30.5. Now, I remember with Ichiro, you know, doing stuff with scoreboards. It was a chore because we had to add something to our scoring program that allowed you to just display the player's last name since that's what he wanted to go by. Instead of, or I'm sorry, yeah, his first name. Instead of seeing Ichiro Suzuki up there, whenever he'd come up to bat, it just said Ichiro. Yeah, and that caused a, an embarrassing moment for me when I was working a high school game because it was set up <laughs> that if it said Suzuki, just to change it automatically to Ichiro. Well, the high school teams that. had a player with the last name Suzuki, and he kept coming up Ichiro, and I felt stupid about it. I remember getting a call <laughs> about that. 
<laughs> that is funny. I, I th- do they still sell Ichi rolls at, at I don't know. T-Mobile? I I think last time I was there, I looked, and I don't think they do. But uh, Ichi roll. Did you ever have an Ichi roll? I did not. I remember my wife, one of the few times she went to a game there with me when the A's were in town before I banned her because she never saw the A's win when they were in Seattle. So I just stopped. She was not allowed anymore. Uh, But we did have an Ichi roll, some sushi, which was it was okay. It was not super fresh. But all right. So you are up to 30.5. You have three cards left. Next, we get uh, somebody we talked about just a couple of weeks ago about the Sandberg game. It is Bruce Suter. This is an 89 card. Now, we also talked about Bruce Suter because he's still getting paid, apparently. When we were talking about Bonnie Bonilla. Yes, he is. Bobby Bonilla, not Bonnie Bonilla. I don't know. (laughs) What's Bonnie Bonilla? (laughs) Wasn't she the star of One Day at a Time? Uh, No, obviously not. Uh, (laughs) This was was actually the last year that Bruce Suter gets paid. 1.12 million a year and a final balloon payment of 9.1 million. (laughs) <laughs> well, good for him. But uh, unfortunately for you, 88 was the last year that he played, and this is an 89 card. So you're not going to get any war, but of course he is in the Hall of Fame. So you will get that. Uh, he's got a beard and mustache, but we're not doing that anymore. So <laughs> you will get just a, a, at least you're in the positive there. You'll get one for Bruce Suter. 31.5 is now your total. Not bad. Uh, so I didn't. I did not know this. Bruce Suter wore number forty-two when he was with the Cardinals. Um, obviously, this is long before that everybody retired forty-two league-wide, but they had retired his number also for Bruce Suter. So he's one of those ah. one of those rare instances where forty-two has been retired for two different players. I did not know that he. Interesting. I guess I just never knew what number he wore ever. Again, we continue with the just the rogues gallery here for for your pack. And I don't believe we've ever pulled this guy before. It's the hit king, Pete Rose. Yeah, Pete Rose. Uh, What can you say about Pete? He does some funny commercials. Well, this is I actually really like this card. I remember this. This is an 87 tops, which, as we know, if you've listened before, is one of my favorite sets of all time the wood grain this was one like the first year i started collecting cards they they just hold a special place for me and uh so this is a good card for me now unfortunately again for you the last year that pete rose played was 86 so you're not gonna get any war again also he's not a hall of famer yeah he's not a hall of famer we know this <laughs> now i and i can't tell i'm gonna give you the stirrups i'm just gonna assume it was pete rose this is 87 i'm gonna give you the tenth of a point for, you for know he's that. got those on. I, I'm with you. Now, he, he does have the no-flat batting helmet. Now, that would be, if we were still looking for rules, that might be something that we could put no-flat, no batting gloves, something like that. But, uh, yeah, so that'll bring you up to 31.6. I don't want to go into Pete Rose. Again, wh- how did you get, like, the absolute, like, <laughs> most controversial players ever? Uh, I in have here? no idea, but... Uh... Uh, I'm waiting for a convicted murderer or something next. <laughs> well, well, trust me, we've pulled plenty of those before. We just don't talk about it. Um, your final pitcher, somebody near and dear to your heart. It's somebody that Ron Luciano talked about earlier in this game, in this game, in this podcast. It is Tommy John. Ah, uh, yes. Gotta love Tommy John, who had uh, Tommy John surgery, which is just bizarre to me. 
Well, I mean, you wouldn't want Tommy John to have like Cy Young surgery, would you? I mean, it makes sense That's to have point. his have his own surgery. So this card is a, a nineteen eighty seven Fleer. Good news for you, Tommy actually played this year. Still, <laughs> he was forty four years old and still had two more seasons after this. Believe it or not. Wow. In 1987, he was back with the Yankees. He had a good year. Went 13 and 6, 4.03 ERA, and that is an ERA plus of 110. So, still getting it done. Let's see. Wow. That equates to a war of 2.4. There is nothing in this card though that's going to get you anything else. That will uh, end your total at 34 even, which is not bad. That's weird, dude. 34 yeah, let's see. Did we uh, we forgot uh, about the Orioles and the Pirates? But you did not have anybody. Oh. oh wait, no, you did have. Remember, Kurt Schilling was with the Orioles when we pulled oh, there this. You go. So what did did I say? You get a half a point or a whole point? I believe a half. Half. All right. So we need to add that into your total because that completely skipped my mind. So you'll get a half a point there for one of your teams. You didn't pull any pirates, so no minus. That'll bring your final total up to 34.5. Perfect. All right. So let's now head over to my half here. And uh, let's see what we get. Now, we got to remember the the Orioles and the Pirates in case we pull any of those. All right. So here we go. I am going to start out with somebody that I am not sure if we have, have pulled before, but this is a great card. It's an 87 tops. It's a rated rookie. And it's Wally World. Wally Joyner. I really liked Wally Joyner. Didn't I think Berman yeah, call, called him Wally Absor- Absorbing Absor- Joyner? <laughs> yes, uh, Absorbing Joyner. <laughs> I remember he um, he really had an amazing rookie year. Yeah, he came in second in Rookie of the Year in 1986 behind Jose Canseco. So obviously Canseco had some good, good had a good rookie year. But uh, yeah. this was actually the only all-star appearance for Wally Joyner was in his, his rookie year in 1986. But uh, this is, of course, a 1987 card. So we've got to look at that. Uh, 87, he hit 285, had 34 home runs, 117 RBI, and a 137 OPS plus. He had a positive, an over 100 OPS plus for, uh, let's see, 16, 13 out of his 16 years in the big leagues. Those final three years at age 37, 38, and 39 were the only years that he did not have over 100 OPS plus. Very impressive. 87, that leads to a war of 4.1. He does have real stirrups on here, so that'll get me a 4.2 to start out. Not bad. Yeah, I'll I'll take that. What what is Absorbing Junior? Was that for, like, calluses? Yeah, it's from muscle pain or something. (laughs) I have no idea. But I knew, I, I remembered the commercials. So, yeah, <laughs> I, too. that's the only reason I, I know why that happened. Uh, Joyner, by the way, tied with Daryl Strawberry for first place in the 86 home run derby. Didn't huh. know that. Uh, here I do remember this, though. The Angels were playing at Yankee Stadium in August of 86, and a fan threw a knife at Joyner, which grazed his left arm while he was uh, waiting on the on-deck circle. I do remember that for some, well, obviously that's, I mean, we've got fans at Yankee Stadium hitting Red Sox outfielders with balls this year. I guess they've toned it down a little bit, at least. Just to uh, just to answer a question we were wondering, Absorbing Junior is an antifungal. 
<laughs> so for the feet, for you feet fans yeah, so out there. Foot fungus. <laughs> feet, foot fungus fetishes out there. <laughs> All right. So next, this is going to be fun. Never had this guy before. This is one of those... Um, it's a Topps 20th anniversary card. And this is from a Kmart set. So this is really, really different. Let's see, what year is it? It is, okay, so this is from a Topps 1982 set. I'm not gonna get anything from it. Well, we're gonna need to have a ruling here. It's a Roberto Clemente card, okay? Um, and it is a reprint of his okay. 1966 card. But this is from 1982, hmm. so I'm going to let you decide. Do we want to just go by, okay, he's a Hall of Famer, or do you want to give me the 66 totals? Uh, that's a good, uh, I don't know. Let's go, um, you know, I think the best move, and, and we're going to have it come up in the future, is to just do five points for Hall of Famer. Okay, well, it's only one point for the Hall of Famer. That's what I meant. <laughs> okay, so I'll take the one point because Roberto Clemente, obviously in the Hall of Fame. I was really hoping you would give it to me because 1966, he was an all-star. <laughs> he won the gold glove. Oh, yeah, he was also the MVP, hitting 29 home runs, 119 RBI, 317 batting average, and a 146 OPS plus, which gave him an 8.2 war. <laughs> okay well you know what man it wasn't uh it was uh not a biased pick i i think i would have come up with the same thing under uh, my own my own uh cards that would have been that would have been a 10 point card but uh of course roberto wow. well oh wait no you know what also he plays for the pittsburgh pirates i don't know if you know that or not but that oh. is my team that I picked. That counts. Yeah, so I got one and a half out of that. I will take that. Uh, of course, obviously, Roberto Clemente died uh, a lot sooner than he should have. All-star 13 years, played in 15 all-star games, won numerous gold gloves, uh, awards, uh, won the World Series two times, ended up with 3,000 career hits exactly before, unfortunately, he was in a uh, plane accident as he was doing charity work in Latin America on December 31st, 1972. Uh, he actually was delivering uh, aid to earthquake victims in Nicaragua. So uh, Roberto Clemente, a great, uh, great player. All right, next. Oh, okay, now I did not set these up, but I have got another Pittsburgh Pirate. Uh, this is oh, a studio card, and this is from 1992. It's Andy Van Slyke. I always liked Andy Van Slyke. He had a lot of fun playing. Van Slick, I think was his nickname, wasn't it? Andy Van Slick. I think so, yeah. Yeah, nickname Slick. Has some unique glasses choices now these days, um, <laughs> which I'm not a fan <laughs> of. But yeah, I was a fan of him as a player. Uh, obviously, is uh, Scott Van Slyke, who I don't think is in the big leagues anymore. Last appeared in the big leagues in 2017 is his son. Uh, this is a 1992 card. 1992, good year for Van Slyke. He was an all-star won a gold glove and are we giving silver slugger points as well or is or is i don't think so okay so i've got at least a full point for an all-star and the gold glove led the league in hits and doubles this year had a batting average of 324 and on base of 381 came in fourth in the nvp voting and uh, all of that equates to that equates to a 6.0 war ouch so I get a full point for the All-Star and the Gold Glove, which brings it up to seven, and then half a point because he is on the Pirates. So that is a seven and a half 
point card for me. Oh my gosh. Very nice. He also is not wearing batting gloves in this. So if we were to, that, that could have been a, could have been a big one. Um, let's see Interesting here. note. Yep. Uh, Vance Lake hit 91 triples in his career. Wow. So that's an average of seven triples per year for him. Remember that outfield for the, for the Bucks? It was uh, Vance Lake in center field and then Bonilla and Bonds flanking him. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. Okay, next I have got a Hall of Famer. He's terrific. And this is a 1987 card, so it's even more terrificer. It is uh, Tom Seaver with the Boston Red Sox, which looks weird. Man, another great one. Yeah, well, mostly when these singles, when they include these singles, they're usually good players. We're not getting Lance Blankenship here. Not to say that Lance wasn't, because I love Lance Blankenship. But uh, let's see, 1987 was, uh, well, 86 was the final year of Tom Turvick's career. So I'm not going to get anything uh, from war-wise, but he is wearing real stirrups, and of course he is a Hall of Famer. So I'll get 1.1 out of this. Tom Seaver apparently had the perception of being greedy when he was playing. And uh, Hmm. at one point when he was with the Mets... Uh, he was he asked to renegotiate his contract and apparently this is the story is that he was being goaded by his wife to ask for more money because she was envious that Nolan Ryan was making more money than he was Jeez. <laughs> whether that is true or not I don't know this is a story from the New York tabloids so we'll uh, we'll take that with a grain of salt oh do you remember last year Tom Brady the uh, maybe it's two years ago tried to trademark Tom Terrific. But yes, the, that's uh, right. He, it was denied because everybody the the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office said it may falsely suggest a connection with Tom Seaver, who of course everybody yes. knows is the original Tom Terrific. That's nice. Good for them. All right. Well, that brings my total up to fourteen point three. Next, we have got a. Uh, I'm not sure how many of these we've pulled. And it just looks weird in a Yankee uniform, although I know he was there for a little bit. It's David Justice. Just ice. Amazing hitter. All right. So this is a 2001 card. It was his second year in New York, one before coming to wrap up his career in Oakland. Uh, let's see. Okay, numbers, 18 home runs, 51 RBI, and 99 OPS+. plus. No awards that are going to help you there. And it equates to a 0.5 war. And there is nothing on this card that's going to help me anymore, unfortunately. But of course, Dave Justice was uh, made an appearance. Uh, at least somebody appeared as him in the Moneyball movie, which is always exciting. It was on, I, th- I remember, in 94. He was listed in the People's 50 Most Beautiful People issue. Isn't that adorable? Yeah, I think he took my spot. Uh, also uh, <laughs> mentioned in the Mitchell report, another thing that his name appears ah, in. Yes. Okay, next we have got, wow, there's a lot of uh, a lot of 87 tops in here, which is a good thing. But uh, this guy has got a, always had a grade A beard and mustache, but we're not getting any points for that. Here he is with the Expos, it's Jeff Reardon. Uh, we've, we've discussed Mr. Reardon before, and he was one solid pitcher. He really was one of those closers that uh, was at the top of his game uh, in the mid 80s. This is an 87 card. So this was his first year out of Montreal 
with the Twins. He went 8-8 eight eight with a 4.48 ERA. That's pretty high for 31 saves and an ERA plus of 103. Yeah. That equates to a war of 0. 0.7. Uh, he does have real stirrups on here, so I will get a 0.8. And that will bring me up to 15.6. We've discussed him before, so we won't go any further into that. Next, I've got a Hall of Famer. Here he is with the Cubs, and this is a 89 scorecard. It's the Hawk, Andre Dawson. Nice. Dawson was an all-around amazing player. I think he won the MVP. Was it in 94? I'm sorry, 85? Uh, let's see. MVP was in 87. Okay. And uh, he was the rookie of the year in 77. In 89 with the Cubs, he hit 21 home runs, 77 RBI, and an OPS plus of 114. He was an all-star this year, so that's good for me. And all of this equates to a war of 2.0, so that will get me a 2.5. And that will bring my total up to 18.1. I've got a ways to go. I'm, I'm at like half your total, and I've only got five cards left. Well, you never know. Yeah, you know, yeah, I came from behind late last yeah, week. You so. pulled it out before, pal. Andre Dawson, we've talked about him, his work as a funeral director uh, down in Florida now. Jamie Champion had some great, did a great Andre Dawson comic book cover recently. And also had yes, the Hawk. he did. He did a, he did a Q&A with Hawk on, uh, on uh, YouTube, which was really interesting to watch as well. So uh, check that out. Uh, all right, next, I have got a guy that is a fan of firecrackers. He was quick, and it is uh, another 1987 tops, Vince Coleman. Vincent Van Gogh. Great nickname. It was perfect. Vince, not a very personable guy with fans or the media, but let's see what he did in 1987. He led the league in stolen bases, as he did for the first six years in his career. Also led the league in caught stealing with 22. He did not win any of the awards that year. He was the Rookie of the Year in 85, but in 87, he ended up with a war of 2.8. There is nothing on this card that is going to get me any additional value. Vince doesn't have his little wisp of a mustache? Uh, he didn't in this card, and we're not giving points for that anymore. Oh, that's right. Just curious. All right. Next. Oh, we've got another semi more recent player uh, along the lines with Ichiro. Here it is from 2001. It is Alfonso Soriano with the Yankees. Oh, wow. All right. So in 2001, Soriano, it was his first full year in the big leagues. He came in third in the rookie of the year balloting, hit 18 home runs, 73 RBI, and had a 91 OPS plus. And all of that equates to a war of 0.0. .0. So uh, not good what? there for me. Uh, nothing on this card is going to help me out. He's wearing number 53. I don't think he wore that number very long. Yeah, he switched to 33 and then 12 he wore for most of his career. Yeah, nothing is going to help me out there for him. Uh, I'm sure. That, did, he, did he go by Fonzie? Fonz, I believe, yeah. Yeah, also went on to play in uh, Japan for uh, Hiroshima for the Carp. One of the 100 million players to come out of San Pedro de Macari yeah. in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Uh, his name was listed in the 2016 Panama Papers. Wonder what oh, wow. he was listed in that for. Something with offshore finance. Yeah, that, that had to do with financial hiding your money and stuff. All right. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's move right on then to uh, this is uh, somebody we've talked about before. Outfielder for the Tigers at this point, Fred Lynn. 
And then, interestingly, you mentioned when we had Ichiro that he won Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same year. The only other guy to do that was Fred Lynn. Yep, Fred Lynn, 1975, All-Star, Gold Glove, MVP, Rookie of the Year, 47 doubles. Uh, let's see here. This is a, what is this, a 1990? Yeah, this is a 1990 card, which was his final year in the big leagues, and he spent it in San Diego. I vaguely remember him in San Diego for some reason, even though he was barely there. Uh, had a typical year of a 38-year-old guy kind of playing out the string, only an 85 OPS plus, and a war of minus 0.8. Freddie Lynn. Ouch. That's... I think that's the the first minus we've had at all, but that bumps me back down to 20.1 with two cards left. I think this one, they're warming the bus up already. Okay, my second to last card is one of my favorite guys, even though he was on the Giants. It's the Thrill, Will Clark. Gotta love Will Clark. Boy, 90s tops were not a good look. Uh, Let's see, Will Clark in 1990 was an all-star. That's good for me. Ended up with a 295 average, 19 home runs, 95 RBI, a 125 OPS plus, and a 3.5 war. That's nice. He's got eye black on, so that counts. So that will get me up to 4.1 with that all-star year. And that'll bring my total up to 24.2. Teammate of Rafael Palmero, while they were both at Mississippi State, they were known as Thunder and Lightning. They did not like each other. Nice. (laughs) All right, so I've got one card left. I am almost exactly 10 points behind you, and it's another one of these Kmart 20th anniversary cards, which is not going to help me out because we're going by the the actual year of which this uh, guy is retired, but he is a Hall of Famer. It's Raleigh Fingers. Raleigh Fingers, best mustache in the game. Yeah, if we were still doing mustaches, I might go ahead and just give him 10 points for the stash, but we can't do that. For that one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Well, let's see. Actually, 1982. Wow, he was still playing in 1982. So hold the phone. <laughs> and he was an all-star that year. So just hold the phone, Mark. Don't don't put the <laughs> horse in front of the carriage here. He was one year rem- one year removed from winning both the Cy Young and the MVP in 81 with the Brewers. In wow. 82, he was an all-star, 2.60 ERA, and 29 saves. And that equates to a war of 2.3. He's a Hall of Famer, and he was an all-star. So that will give me a 3.8, which unfortunately is not enough. That gets me up to 28 even. So close. Well, that was respectable. Uh, I'm a little disappointed our our teams didn't come into play anymore. But uh, you did come away with that final exhibition victory congratulations like i said next week we're going to start season three for real see if you can defend your real deal yeah all right that's gonna wrap up our show for this week appreciate everybody listening as i mentioned before if you want to get a hold of us during the week you can find us on social media. We are at Two Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are also on YouTube. We are on Twitch. You can find all of these links. I will put them in the show notes. Mark, they can also find us on the good old Gmail. You want to tell them about that? That's right. You can uh, send us an email, even though, you know, it's a little bit of a, an ancient thing to do. You can still do it. Believe it or not, uh, two strike noise, spell it out. T W O strike noise at gmail.com. 
Thanks to everybody that's been sending uh, emails. It's been a lot lately, and it's been really fun talking to all of you. Yeah, don't email shame anybody. Anybody that wants to. (laughs) I I use email more than any of the other stuff. That like You're the expert on uh, social media. I barely know what's going on. All right. Well, that'll do it for another episode. We will be back next week, I'm sure of it. So uh, until then, thanks, and we'll see you on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.